Welcome to Banking on KC. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thank you for joining us. With us on this episode is Eniola Banks, the founder and CEO of Read to Think, a company that uses machine learning and natural language processing to access how youth read and ultimately help solve reading literacy issues. Welcome, Eniola. Thank you so much for having me today, Kelly. I really appreciate your time. Well, you're doing such a wonderful service and using business to solve a real problem, which I assume you saw that there was this gap because you're a former elementary school teacher, right? Correct. What problem is Read to Think trying to solve? We have pivoted in terms of the area because of COVID. Uh, The new term is now called unfinished learning. That is indicated where children, because of COVID, are now at least five to nine months behind on reading and math. And it even has blossomed, unfortunately, into uh, middle school and high school level students as well. In terms of addressing unfinished learning, it's giving our clients the resources and tools to motivate and to measure and evaluate and to understand how their child is reading to get a proper diagnosis to give the content that, that a child needs. But yeah, unfinished learning is now being reported in different articles. Parents are very aware of it now. Um, there's a large movement with homeschool families called pod schooling now. I'm just thankful that it's more of a collaborative effort, not just on the educator themselves. Okay, so tell us then about your journey from the classroom serving as a traditional teacher to your journey back to the classroom through your company's technology platform that helps children read. How did you even get started? What inspired you? Well, what inspired me when I was teaching the entire time is that for one, there was lack of diversity in the content that we read. And then just seeing the disparities when I saw children who couldn't understand how to read, but then technology brightened their way, which was wonderful. And then at times it was really draining and also talking to educators now today, even pre-COVID, during COVID and post-COVID, is really challenging to get every single child in your classroom on grade level, even above. And they need more individuals in the classroom. And so I was always drawn back to technology because that's what I always saw was how children really grasped it, how they were excited. And it was not really to replace an educator, it was just a tool to help support. And I also really enjoyed reading specifically as well. So I was really just doing a lot of analysis. So in addition to teaching, you were making observations and taking a lot of things in yourself. As I recall, your love of reading started in your childhood with your father reading you stories. We grew up in a small town and they had encyclopedias. My father, um, he read a book every single week. So that was obviously a great way to just introduce us. I read books in the car as well. And then uh, my father actually started his own business that obviously was kind of a look at entrepreneurship, but he was a solo founder. And so I did see the highs and lows of how that was. It wasn't always a beautiful picture. Right. And that's so important because so many people don't understand what they're getting into in terms of the time, money, and just blood, sweat, and tears it takes to be an entrepreneur. Yes, exactly. But he told us he wanted to focus on his business. He didn't want to go back to working under someone else. He did pass away, unfortunately. And I did reflect upon that, how he could have utilized his uh, knowledge and skills. He was one of the only black men in Kansas who was an electrician. He was one maybe one out of 800 who was certified as a black man. He didn't really talk about that because he grew up in 1950s where it wasn't really talked about. But 
when he passed, I thought about, wow, what a great way he could have really leveraged his knowledge to other individuals to pass down and create a real larger company with what he had because he's had great knowledge with what he what he knew about electricity. Now you're carrying on his entrepreneurial spirit and you are extending that message. Your original company was called Penez. Read to Think is an outgrowth of that. So why don't you lay the foundation for us? What was Penez and then how did it morph into Read to Think? Penez was originally founded to look at the diversity and content and feature people of color because, you know, when I was teaching, we saw that the results were less than 10% of the books was written by people of color. The need, it's growing, but in terms of just the inclusiveness and equity, it still needs, needs to change still. So that was the original goal. So Panez was essentially, you curated reading lists, essentially, and then you worked with librarians and the schools to get more books written by people of color into the curriculum? Yes. And we had like different events. And so it was just really more of a, an outgrowth, a testing ground just to see what really stuck and really worked. And we found a pathway looking at the different programs that I was in, different fellowships, doing customer discovery. That's where it came out of. Um, individuals were like, yes, the books are important, which we agree. But how do we really understand what children understand, how, how to read? How do we actually critically assess and motivate what, what their critical points are? And even though I knew that personally, but a lot of individuals did not know that. And then the outgrowth parents didn't had no idea what it meant to say, what's your phonemic level, um, what's your lexile level. Although that jargon is just honestly for parents was a waste of time because they didn't have the time to really do it, um, unfortunately. And so it was just really through the customer discovery process was, yes, Penance is great, but we need to have something else that can really support and pinpoint how children read read first before you just uh, curate information to us. So walk mm-hmm. me through Read to Think. I'm a classroom teacher, let's just say, and I am using your Read to Think program. How does it work from a practical standpoint? How do I use it in the classroom, implement it, and then how do I use the information that is gleaned by using it in the classroom? Sure. So Read to Think can be accessed on a tablet or a computer device right now. An educator will give any child a login, username and password, simple as that. And then we encourage educators and our other customers, parents, nonprofits, to have a child utilize a headset device due to the oral reading. Um, This is really important because we're capturing their voices. When we capture a child's voice, our software has to, you know, gather that data and input it, and then create an output after after a while. Once a child reads, they can play games or do different practice incentives, but the child actually won't receive actual data points saying you're a 80% or an A reader. Um, we found that our customers really prefer that because we're not trying to push a child to know what percentile they're in. We're trying to just encourage a child just to know how they're reading and what they're reading and allow the customer, meaning educators or parents, nonprofits, to glean if they choose to or not. So your purpose then, with a child anyway, is to encourage them to read through books and other types of information that is interesting to them and, and that would make reading pleasant to them. And then on the back end, though, the client is capturing information that's going to help those children be better readers. You said it was very important to record the child's voice. What technology is behind Read to Think? There's so many types of technology out there. What do you use to get the information that you need to make those assessments? 
Mm-hmm. Sure, just from a high-level point of view, um, utilizing the speech recognition software and machine learning, when we first tackled Read to Think, we actually discovered that there was a lack of APIs that had diverse voices in it. And we were pretty surprised because we're 2015 and we're still recognizing voices which are quote-unquote standard. And now we have to really lay out the foundation of you know individuals who are not recognized with different accents and different enunciations. And um, that was very surprising to us. You especially focus on addressing reading and the literacy gap among children of color. How are you doing that? In Read to Think specifically, we actually license and create our own stories within the software. Uh, We have stories that focus on individuals who are scientists or even economics, even like phonics-based, just to give a different modern-day presence to stories and content. Um, One example is there's a story about a little girl, her grandma is a chemist and she's African-American, but Grandma Fanny just helps her create bubbles and play. But you can really recognize diversity when you say it's my Grandma Fanny and we Mm -hmm. play or, you know, just some really simple things. It's not really pushing, hey, it's a person of color, but you can really see the connection um, or just making uh, pinatas for a certain holiday and what does that l- really look like or but I make sure that those stories are given to us from someone from that c- community so not just hey I found this on the internet but someone actually says hey this is an important part of our our story. So you are not only curating content you're developing content and you're not only teaching children to read and to learn how fun it can be to read you're providing content that helps them aspire or so you're creating content that they can uh, relate to. So who are your clients? You've talked a little bit about the educators and the parents. Do you have other clients? How do you and how do you work with them? Sure our clients are 100% virtual just like our team is. Mm -hmm. And um, we focus on the individuals who serve youth in grades um, kindergarten through approximately eighth grade, depending on the reading level. Whenever a client does approach us, we have to explain that the content is written either on, above, or below. So that way you, if you do sign up a student, it's not just Charlie's in fifth grade, but it's the question is, well, does he or she um, have a, you know, lower Reading, reading skill or above, because um, it has been proven over time again that children are not necessarily at the grade level that they're assigned to, but some might be ab- above. One of the things that I've heard about your story, that I've read about your story, and that is, you know, Kansas City has abundant resources for entrepreneurs. You already mentioned the entrepreneurial classes that you took at UMKC, and I know you've tapped into several other ones. Talk to us about how you have used the resources here in Kansas City and what you would say to aspiring or early stage entrepreneurs about finding those resources and using them to their advantage. For me, KC SourceLink was one of the first pathways. Mm-hmm. They have a resource rail with, um, I, don't, I don't have the number correct, but hundreds oh, of it, resources. Yes, hundreds easily, maybe that, even thousands these days. <laughs> yeah, and that, that was one of the first touch points um, where I met different individuals who said, hey, look at here, look at there. I also made a point um, early on to network every week before I had a family. Um, that really gave me a idea about um, the different individuals who were a part of the community, um, different places to go. And also I built connections in terms of finding 
different individuals to sell the vision to of building out the software and the company uh, with me as well. But networking was a key thing. So you would suggest to anyone who is thinking, I need some help or I just want to meet new people to start with Casey SourceLink? Yes, and there's many other ways. I know not everyone goes that way. There's many Startup Casey Facebook group, Innovate Her. There's so many that are out right now that for someone that's starting, it's you can just easily Google how to find an entrepreneur in Kansas City and it'll pop up. Um, obviously, Startland News has grown tremendously, so you can definitely find it much easier just by searching online, Googling, but those resources are amazing that we have. They're out there, and, and don't worry about not knowing anybody if you show up to an event. I mean, just go out there and ask people about themselves and what they're doing. Your company is so dependent on technology. And you had an I- the idea of using technology to get where you wanted to go. Did you have to teach yourself technology skills, or did you share your vision and then hire technologists to carry it out? How did that work? I didn't go the traditional route of going to college or taking a boot camp like I probably should have. <laughs> but I did talk to individuals and more of the technologists to just understand how do you build a software and what are some of the steps and they gave me some of the high level overview and then um, one day a recruiter called me and said hey with your background I think you could become a business analyst and I was like that's pretty interesting mm-hmm. so I actually worked as a business analyst contracting building out um, technical documentation and talking to different stakeholders and writing out uh, user interface programs and she said it was similar to my uh, teaching role because you have to talk a lot to different people. So I was I didn't have any clue what that was, but doing those different contract roles uh, really helped me identify how I could apply that to read to think. So when I was able to talk to developers instead of hiring a, a BA, which is pretty expensive, I was able to now listen to what they knew, but also what the um, clients what I was talking to, and put that into a technical documentation. So it saved a lot of money um, doing it that way. What have you learned? about yourself now that you're an entrepreneur? Sure. So what I've learned is my ability to have the tenacity to keep moving forward. You know, I definitely had it growing up and in my first career, but just being able to keep pushing forward through the difficult times, that was something I did not vision myself to have. You're stronger than you thought you were. I'm very optimistic despite the challenges. I had a son six months before COVID hit, and then when it happened, I, I didn't really get anxious like a lot of individuals. I just did a lot of learning and individual work. Yeah, you took the time to educate yourself more and to uh, gain more of the skills you were going to need for this business. Oh, yeah, and my ability to have um, confidence to talk to people. That is one of the strongest skills you need when you have an entrepreneurship mindset, even if you have the capital or don't, to really be able to craft your message to the right individuals constantly and continuously. It is really critical to just step out there Put your foot forward. Even if you make a mistake, laugh at your mistakes. That is something I I learned about myself, my ability to not be afraid to talk to people and really ask for, what are you looking for? How can I help? Just those really key questions. Entrepreneurs sell on so many levels. Yes, they sell product or service, but they also sell their vision to their associates. Uh, They also sell their vision to potential investors. I mean, so many different levels where, as you say, communication is so important and you have to overcome that fear of 
basically promoting yourself and your vision because and rejection yeah and the rejection being able to accept rejection because you're going to get a lot of it as you yeah (laughs) it's it's an established company but it's also still a rather young company what do you think are your greatest accomplishments so far i would say from a business perspective from a starting point it is really exciting that we've been able to build a product on a very low budget being able to get um, technologists who see the vision and then being able to sell that product to people who I really don't even know and they see the vision as well. We've been able to capture on our platform well over 250 uh, children. Our clients indicate they love the content and the uh, vocabulary. Um, Some are on pause at times just because we have to keep adding in more content and stories for the reading. You don't have to read every day on our platform. It's really more of an assessment, but um, they encourage their children to read a little bit faster than normal. So that's been the really interesting impact and also being able to add content that we didn't foresee in the beginning. Like I mentioned, adding on um, economics content and more STEAM driven, but it's still uh, a reading resource. That's been really fascinating and interesting to add on those different uh, modules, our stories as well. Teachers and nonprofits are, you know, focus on tech and content, but parents are just focused on, does my child like to use this in the content? And it's really enjoyable that they do say it's fresh, uh, modern day, and it's really nice to just read something that feels just natural. Where do you go from here? Now that you have the technology platform supporting this, where does it go from here? Where does Read to Think head? The goal would be for this year, next year, to receive a investment dollar or to uh, be accepted into a large-scale accelerator uh, now that we do have um, a product that's sold. If not, being able to partner with a uh, large nonprofit or school district to have a pilot and just be uh, self-funded. And the ultimate goal would definitely be to exit and sell Read to Think. Eniola, thank you so much for what you're doing to make reading enjoyable for children, to help them develop their literacy skills. Thank you so much for being our guest on the show today. We wish you well. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you to Eniola Banks for being our guest on this episode of Banking on KC. Reading literacy is a fundamental skill for success in school and the workforce. Yet a significant percentage of children in grades K through eight struggle to read at grade level. Being able to detect reading level challenges early is only one part of the solution. The other is developing innovative technology tools that provide parents and educators with feedback that empowers students to read at higher levels. Entrepreneurs like Eniola recognize the opportunity to offer these solutions, as well as create enjoyable reading experiences through specialized content students can relate to. Country Club Bank has been involved in literacy causes for decades and applauds the efforts of others in our community working to improve childhood literacy. Thanks for tuning in this week. We're banking on you, Kansas City. Country Club Bank, member FDIC.